Okay, so one of the hot-button issues in our culture today is anything and everything having to do with gender. And this is a conversation we were having somewhat last night at our house after the Christmas party. God designed manhood and womanhood, and they're both beautiful. They're distinct. They have certain strengths and weaknesses, and they're supposed to be complementary. They work together. That was God's design even from the garden. He looked at Adam and said, it is not good for Adam to be alone. I'll make him a helper suitable for him. He made woman. And together, they are made in the image of God. That's what scripture says. So it's not a question of one of them's in the image of God and the other one's not. They're both made in the image of God. And together, they make a full picture of the image of God. But we live in a world that is literally hell-bent on messing up that picture. Destroying those distinctions as much as possible. Reducing everything to kind of a gray, flat homogeny. Like homogenized milk. Homogenized milk doesn't separate because it's all been made exactly the same. I don't, I'm not commenting on homogenized milk as to whether that's good or bad for you. I'm just saying that that's what they're doing with, with gender in our world today. We see this homogenization of, is, is that a man? Is that a woman? I genuinely cannot tell. That's, that's the devil's work, not the Lord's work. The Lord makes them male and female and says that it is good. So, one of, in that vein, one of the specific areas that comes up is the discussion about whether or not men are allowed to cry. Now, this may seem like a silly and trivial issue, and it kind of is, and yet it's something that I've seen debated and, and thrown around online. You see people going back and forth about this. There's, on the one side, you have the kind of, we're, we're the manly Christians, and we advocate that men shouldn't cry. Men should be tough. Men don't cry. Not that anybody would say it that, that straightforwardly, but that's the impression you get. And then on the other side, you get the, Oh, men are allowed to cry. They should be able to express their feelings and just emote just like, just like women. There's not really any difference. Just, you know, go ahead. Let it out. It's okay. Don't tell men that they, have any, that they can't cry. So it may seem like a silly example, but because it's one that is coming up, it's actually, it's a current, it's a modern day example. It's a discussion that people are actually having. How do we think biblically about that? There are a bunch of these little things that our culture throws out and we see debated and we want to be able to think through those scripturally. So should men cry? I see yes, and you're not wrong. I mean, first biblical passage that should come to mind is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. You can either argue that Jesus was not a very masculine man, in which case I'd say you're a heretic, or... You have to acknowledge, okay, there, there is a, an appropriate time. I mean, if the perfect man wept, then there is a time for men to cry. We see in the New Testament the exhortation, weep with those who weep. That's not just figurative language, right? Weeping means crying. Now, I don't think that means not everybody's going to cry with somebody else who's crying. The point is to share in, a, in, in one another's sorrow. But that's a biblical exhortation. Furthermore, you cannot read the Old Testament and come out thinking that men shouldn't cry. Because over and over and over again, you see men, 
They tore their clothes and lifted their voices and wept and cried out. They had no problem showing emotion. They definitely had some emotion going on. The Old Testament, and they, and they were very manly men. We're talking people along the lines of David. Nobody would look at David and say, oh, he's, he's you know, he's a weakling. This is the guy that killed Goliath, the guy that stands before Saul and says, yeah, I, I've, I've killed bears, I've killed lions. This guy is not a non-manly person. And yet, we see characters like this in the Old Testament. who They, they weep, they mourn, they cry out to God. So that is, that is good. So to say men shouldn't cry wouldn't be biblical. Now, is there any truth to the statement that men shouldn't cry? A lot of times... We have this pendulum thing going on, and there's some truth, and there's some error, and part of thinking biblically and wisely is being able to sort through what is true and what is not. And the answer is, yeah, there is, there is a truth there. They're, they're driving at something true when they say men shouldn't cry. They're responding to a culture that says men should all be in touch with their feminine side. They should all be soft and safe and sweet and kind and probably on meds. That's not biblical either, right? That's not a picture of biblical manhood where we have men who are strong and brave and they, they stare death in the eye and they don't flinch. That's not that either. So these guys who are saying men shouldn't cry, they're driving at something that is biblical. And for that, turn to Jeremiah chapter 51. This is just a little footnote. So this is, file this under the category of things that where we want to glory in what God says instead of getting lost in caveats, because we're so prone to saying, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And we want to caveat everything so that we feel safe and comfortable and we don't let God's word mess with what makes me feel good about myself. But that's not how we're called to read God's word. I need to make sure I've got the right verse here. Might have to look it up real quick. There's a long chapter, too. Is there a keyword? Um, I got it. 5130. Jeremiah 5130. Okay. Yeah, so this here's one where we've got to let God's word speak and not be embarrassed about it. Jeremiah 5130. The mighty men of Babylon have ceased fighting. They stay in the strongholds. Their strength is exhausted. They are becoming like women. Their dwelling places are set on fire. The bars of her gates are broken. Does that make you flinch? Especially ladies, does that make you flinch? Because I, I don't think this is an insult to women. I don't think God is making fun of women here. I don't think Jeremiah is being misogynistic when he says this. I don't think God is embarrassed about the way he made women or thinks that they should apologize for the way that he made them. But God has no problem saying, hey, there's a distinction here. You guys are not being man. These, the warriors of Babylon, they're not being manly. They have become like women. Are we comfortable with that? Are you, are you okay with the Bible saying that? Or not just okay with, but do we think that's a good thing? Or do we jump straight to the caveats? What's the caveat that immediately comes to mind? Well, women should be in control of their emotions too. Women should be brave too. Women should be able to defend themselves too. 
Okay, those are all true statements, technically. But part of thinking biblically is recognizing when there's a play being run on us. And that's what's happening in our culture today. Our culture today pushes us right to the caveats. And we have to recognize this is not about the truth of a certain phrase alone. This is about a worldview that's being slipped in with this phrase. So when you say something like the Bible tells men to be strong and courageous and in control of their emotions and fearless and to speak the truth, if your first response is, well, the Bible tells women to do that too, you're not wrong, but you're wrong. See what I'm saying? You're not wrong technically because, of course, women are supposed to do that too. But you are wrong if you're bringing in this homogenizing worldview. Uh, there's no distinctions. There's no, it's kind of like if you say a mother should be tender and compassionate and loving to her children. And you respond with, well, dad should be too. Well, yeah, of course they should. But is there a peculiar tenderness, a peculiar maternal care that is fitting for women that just, guys just don't do that. Yeah, there is. We don't need to be embarrassed about that. We need to rejoice in that. That's part of God's design. So I, I hope you can see the, I'm trying to, to get us between the two sides of the pendulum to a point where we are happy with the way God designed things to be. There is, there are different people. There are different personalities. There are some guys who cry more than some girls. Does that mean that either that those are bad masculine girls or those are wimpy, effeminate guys? Not necessarily, no. That could just be their personalities. So the whole discussion about whether or not men should cry is missing the point. The Bible isn't really concerned about whether or not you cry as a man. But if you're a crybaby, that is the point. Do you see the distinction? There's a difference between crying sometimes and being a crybaby. You see them in the movies. You see them in the war movies. The men are going out to battle. This is our mission. We gotta, we gotta run into the machine gun fire and take the, take the enemy stronghold on the hill. And then you got the one guy who just breaks down in tears. Now, is it right to just like despise that man and hate him and reject him and kick him out? No, of course not. But is that a manly man? Is he, be, is he acting like a man? No, he's not. He's falling short of his job. This is where we, Nehemiah 4.14, brother, this is where we, we defend our wives. We defend our children. We stand together and we take this stronghold as men. That's what men do. And if as a culture we can't say that, if as a culture we can't say that, we jump straight to the caveat. This is what men do. I mean, and what women do. Then we're missing something. We're missing something about God's design. Because God, even in the New Testament, has no problem saying, act like men. There's men, man up. Take a stand for what is true. Take a stand for what is right. Stand up for your families. If we can't make those exhortations without going straight for caveats, there's something wrong in our heart. We're getting influenced by a culture that wants to destroy God's design for manhood and womanhood so that we're embarrassed about God's word. Don't be embarrassed about God's word. It's good. It's beautiful. It's, so, okay, here's a couple of quotes, or at least paraphrased quotes. These are, these are heart tests. My question is, do you default to flinching or to, to agreeing happily with these sorts of things? And they're generalizations. 
Any of these statements are generalizations. But uh, Beethoven, no, was it Beethoven? I think it was Beethoven, said, music should strike fire from the heart of man and bring tears from the eyes of woman. Okay, now, do you feel like he just insulted you? And I'm not saying Beethoven was an apostle or a saint or anything. I'm just saying he's just making an observation about the differences between the sexes. That's not an insult. That's a beautiful thing. In our culture today, you couldn't say that. You say that and the instant response is like, wow, what's wrong with you? You're a misogynist. You just think that women are weaklings and they can't handle reality. Well, no. No, Beethoven just knew some men and knew some women, probably. I mean... That's all it takes. All you have to do is raise a couple of sons and a couple of daughters, and you see there's a difference there. And it's a good thing. It's not, it's not something to be ashamed of on either side. That's part of the lie that our culture is selling us. Is, yeah, yeah, women cry more, and that's a bad thing. That's a shameful thing. We want to get rid of that stereotype. We want you to be just like the men, because that's, that's, what, that's what is really good. That's what, if you were just, had no emotions, then you'd really... And this is done in the name of exalting women. No, that's despising women. That's, that's looking down on them for the peculiar design that God built into them. That also doesn't mean that some ladies who are less emotional than other ladies are, there's anything wrong with them. There's just all sorts of personalities that God has made. But it does mean we embrace and rejoice his design. I saw another quote. I think it was Michael Foster. It said, he was exhorting husbands to let their wives cry. He said, crying for a woman is like sweating for a man. It's good. Let, basically, give her a hug and let her get it out. And it's, it's good for her. You know, don't, don't lose it over the fact that she's crying. Just take care of her and let her cry it out. Does that mean that every woman is that way? No, it doesn't mean that. Does that mean that if you are not that way, you're a failure of a woman? No, it doesn't. But, it does, but are you okay with that generalization? If we're secure in God's design, then we don't have to be embarrassed about it or jump right to caveats. If you're a guy that's more prone to cry, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I cry at a lot of movies. Now, I don't break down and blubber like a baby, but I cry. I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about it, right? That's, that's not the question. That's not the measure of your manhood. Now, if you can't, Handle if, if your wife has to hold the family together because at the end of every day you just come home and, and sob and bawl about the day, then we got a problem. You need to act like a man. You've got to, the Bible says you're supposed to consider her as the weaker vessel. If you're the weaker vessel in the marriage, husband, there's, there's a problem. Right? You're called to be strong and to help your wife and take care of your wife. But does that mean that your wife is never going to help you? that mean your wife is never going to take care of you? Does that mean you're never going to cry and your wife is going to give you a hug and tell you everything's going to be okay? No, it doesn't mean that. I've experienced that. I've been blessed by that. I've needed that sometimes. So again, we can get stuck on that this is the only right way to do it. That's not the point. It's not men should never cry or women should always cry. That's not the point. The point is we should all delight in the fact that God made us different. And we should embrace the things that do matter, the things that are important. Whether or not you cry is not the point. The point rather is, as men, can we be exhorted as men? Can we say, brothers, be strong and courageous. Brothers, get in the fight. Brothers, don't pull back. Hold the line. Can we say that? Can we live that? And sisters, 
Can you let the brothers say that to each other? Can you even say that to your brothers without feeling like this is a slight on, on me as a woman? Because it's not a slight on you as a woman. It's an emphasis on what God made men to do. It's, it's just like defense, right? It's self-defense. When we exhort men to be able to protect their families, does that mean we don't want women to be able to protect their families? Well, no. Does that mean it's bad for women to know martial arts? Of course not. Does that mean women shouldn't know how to use firearms? Absolutely not. Frankly, I wouldn't mess with my wife. If she were in Walmart and I wanted to pick on somebody, she'd be the wrong lady to pick on. She would make your day sad. (laughs) But if somebody comes after my family, they're getting through me first. I'm not going to send her out there and say, you know, I hope you win. And if not, I'll, I'll have the kids in the bathroom with, with the gun and I'll do my best. No, that's my job. I'm the man in the home. And if anybody's going to pick on my family, I'm the first line of defense. But that, doesn't, that, that says nothing about her. That does not say that therefore she's a Victorian China doll who sits at home and does her knitting and that's it. That, that's the extent of our view of womanhood. Not at all. Not at all. I have every hope that if they do manage to get past me which I plan to make extremely difficult. But if they do, then she's going to be at home, have the kids in the bathroom with the AR-15 in her hands, and she's going to light them up, and he's going to wish they'd messed with a different family. I'm a big fan of ladies being able to defend themselves. But we don't have to jump straight to that caveat when we say, men, can you protect your families? You ready to be a defender and a protector like the Lord is? So... Just because we exhort one, it's kind of like if we exhort ladies to be loving and compassionate. Do we have to jump straight to, well, men should be loving and compassionate too? We don't have to do that. It's true. Men, you should be loving and compassionate too. You should be a peacemaker too. In fact, sometimes that exhortation is more needed by the men because we want to be the defender and the protector and so we're ready to just stir anything into a fight. Well, you don't want to do that either. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. So what we're driving at here is The devil hates happiness and beauty. He hates the way God made the world to work. And if he can get us lost in the caveats, he would happily do so. If he can get us so busy qualifying everything and standing up for my rights and I can, but I can, but they can, and but, 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 but. And now we've lost the joy of this is how God made it and it's good. Then he's winning. If he can get get us tied up in knots and get us so wrapped up in our cultural malaise that we're just kind of embarrassed about the way God made things to work, then he's winning. If we embrace the way God made the world to work, then we have a beauty to offer to the world that they don't have anywhere else. You can walk through the toy aisle at Walmart. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. And you can see doll after doll that looks almost like an alien. They're just so gender homogenized and painted up and bizarre looking and sexualized. And to that, we have an alternative of a home where everyone feels safe because daddy is Papa Bear looking over the house. He's the king that's going to protect all of his, all of the people in his home. And everybody feels loved because mom is overflowing with just hospitality and yummy food and tenderness towards the children where the kids are happy and they love each other. You present that to a world of monster high dolls, that's an alternative. That's an invitation. Come, come, come to the feast. Come over here where Jesus is and everything, everything's better over here. 
Everything's beautiful over here because we embrace the way God designed the world to work. That's our calling. That's our birthright as Christians. So that's my question for all of us. Where's your heart? Are you happy about the way God made the world to work? And we can embrace that without getting stuck on little issues, without caveating every single statement, but rather saying, no, 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 God made it this way and it's good. I love it. And it's not, it doesn't have to look the exact same for everybody, but we all have to embrace the foundational principles of what God has designed, what God has built into the world. When God says something like the mighty men of Babylon have become like women, the ladies don't need to wince. You, you want your men, you want your husbands to not be like women. You, you should want that. You, you're a woman, and that's a good thing, and you should be like a woman. But you don't want your husband to be like a woman. You want your husband to be a man. You don't want him to be, you don't want this to be said of him. You want your husband to be in the list of David's mighty men, right? That's the kind of man that you want to marry. You want to marry the kind of guy that went down to a pit on a snowy day and tore a lion apart with his bare hands. That's the kind of husband that you want to marry. Well, if you want that, then embrace the fact that God made men and women different, and it's a good and beautiful thing. So we can exhort the brothers to say, guys, act like a man, be courageous, be strong. That's a good and godly and beautiful thing. And it's, a, it's not taking in any way away from God's design for womanhood. Proverbs 31, she is Kail. She is valiant. She is a warrior, a warrior-esque in her own right. She doesn't look the same. And together, that's an unstoppable force. But if the devil can whittle it down to this homogenized and... and tied up in knots, worry about who gets to do what, then we're stuck. We're out of the fight. And we don't want that. We want to be in the fight with great joy. So don't drug up your, don't drug up your sons. Embrace the way God made your sons to be. That, and that doesn't mean wild either. That doesn't mean out of control. That doesn't mean violent. Inappropriately violent. It does mean violent in some ways. You got to let your boys tussle. You don't have to let them hit their sisters. There's a difference. So we seek and rejoice in godly wisdom. That's what we want. We want to follow. Let, let the Lord calibrate our hearts to what is good and what is beautiful, not the world around us.